This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Well, all right. Welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast. Kevin and Chuck. Today, we're going to talk about good fences. Um, it's kind of a broad idea, but basically, since I moved down to the South, one of the things that I really noticed is uh, people set up, um, I want to say almost garden plots. They want to attract wildlife. They want to make their their uh, hunting area, their their property um, conducive to attracting game and wildlife and making it a, a habitat that they want to hang around in, which in turn ends up, you know, uh, bringing in your su- food supply and basically stretching your supplies and resources and, you know, making your life a lot easier when it comes to getting meat, you know, as, as men, as, preppers i we like meat right um you know i know there's some girls that listen to this show and and i'm the bad guy you know alienating and i you know coming up with ideas like that but you know we're meat eaters right that that's kind of a a a thing here uh we talk about meat we talk about good things and you know anyway so now i also know on the flip side of that when you have gardens your entire life and and efforts are put into keeping wildlife out and mm-hmm. keeping them away and and you know driving them away from what's going on so it is kind of a contradiction and that that's i guess where that title good fences comes in you know cuz you do want distinct areas where you separate the two but that said there is a a big benefit to bringing in animals and, and meat. And, you know, I know we've talked in the past about how, you know, in a, in a real shit hits the fan kind of scenario, 
everybody's like, oh, well, I can go bag a deer and I'm never going to go hungry, you know? And, mm-hmm. and yeah, right. that population is going to thin out and it's not going to be the long-term resource. But one, it can be the resource for right now. Free cheap meat is a cool thing. And knowing how to butcher and take care of your meat is a good thing. Um, we did do an episode on how to butcher a deer. Um, there was a great uh, uh, video that I had gotten that I would be happy to, uh, you know, pass along the information of where you could get it. Uh, I'll maybe try and get it in the show notes if I can dig it up. But definitely, if if you're really looking for a good way, good video on how to butcher your meat, shoot me an email at preppingbadass at gmail.com. I'd be happy to, you know, get you in touch with the right information. But that said, it's still having a good environment and especially smaller animals, squirrels, rabbits, that kind of thing. Those things are going to last a little bit longer. You know, they're not the first go-to that people go for when they're, you know, scared and trying to venture into hunting for the first time. So having an environment conducive to these animals could really uh, be the difference in extending your food supply, you know, for many months. So with that, let's kind of get into it. Um, Kevin had some really good ideas on things we could set up to kind of attract what, basically what makes a good environment for, you know, wildlife, for animals. Yeah. Like what are animals well, I mean, looking for? Yeah, there's three main things that animals are, are going to are going to want, you know, when they want them to visit your property. And it's the same thing, three things that, that people want, you know, food, water, and shelter. Um, you know, there was one more people, that people want, but yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, now <clears throat> let's start with, uh, with food. So, uh, wildlife, um, you know, especially, uh, white tailed deer, they love things like, uh, clover, you know, um, uh, annual legumes like uh, field peas, uh, cereal grains like oats, uh, rye, wheat. You know, these are all things, corn, these are all things that we grow, or uh, that at least that I grow, you know, here and there, different different seasons, I, I try different things. Um, they like but, apple uh, trees. Yeah, I know, yeah, fruit trees are a great one. Um, I know... Uh, I know uh, deer, keeping deer out of your garden is a big deal, you know, because they'll hop right over a four foot fence, you know? Yes. So I try and I try and keep my food garden really close to the house. You know what I mean? That way I can I can keep my eye on it. I can look out the window and see what's what's messing around out there. Um, so so planning planning food specifically for uh, wildlife you know, is not a bad idea. Uh, I used to uh, go crazy trying to like keep a nice, like clean lawn, you know, like an idiot, just grass and get rid of the clovers and the weeds and all that sort of stuff. Right. Now I've letting, I've letting clover basically take over the whole yard. I've got more clover than I do grass. Um, You know, and clover used to be uh, something that would, was considered like a a good, healthy lawn. Um, But, uh, what was it the uh what was the uh weed killer uh company uh that was giving everybody cancer um oh um yeah monsanto but it's uh roundup 
Roundup, right. Roundup, so what, what you're looking there for. There was a big campaign. When they came out with Roundup, it was great because it killed everything except for grass. And there's a big campaign to convince people that clover were weeds because the Roundup was killing clover. Um, but really, you know, for, for hundreds of years, people intentionally grew clover. You know, that draws a lot of uh, deer. Uh, rabbits love it. Bees love it. Um, a love lot it. of great wildlife go, go for the clove. Yep. Um, you know, and in some places, clover will grow, you know, all year round, you know, um, down, you know, real far down south. It'll get too hot for a couple of months and up, up north it'll get, you know, too cold for a couple of months. But uh, the truth is clover, you know, grows great most of the year in most most climates. So, uh, I mean, it's a great food source. And it's real easy to grow. It's not even something that you have to, you know, you can go out and plant a whole field of clover for, you know, real cheap. And and it'll grow by itself. You don't have to be out there, you know, watering it and messing with it all the time. Right. Um, another thing that attracts wildlife, uh, you have to have a good water source. Um, yes. I've got a nice little stream on, on the back of my property. Uh, a lot of people don't have a stream or a creek or a pond or anything, but, um, you know, you can set up water sources, you can set up watering tanks and you can set up, uh, uh, you know, even, even small, like, uh, kids pools, you know, those, uh, $10 swimming pools that you get for the little kids on, you know, uh, from the dollar store or dollar general or something, you know, you can fill those up and leave them out and you'll be surprised the amount of animals that come out to, uh, to get a drink when, when you're, in an area that doesn't have a lot of water around. Right. Um, one of the other things that we want to talk about though, is shelter. Um, animals require a lot of shelter, uh, specifically when it comes to white-tailed deer, you want to have a couple of things that, um, that are going to attract them and be, be desirable for them. Um, so you want like travel corridors. Um, you want to have a way that the animal can get through, you know, get to your property from other properties uh, without like having to cross roads or having to cross, you know, streams or anything like that. You want to have them, you want to make it, make it so that it's accessible for larger animals to be coming through your property, you know, make right. it part of their, their uh, daily or weekly uh, stop. You know, a lot of uh, white tailed deer have like a, uh, have like a, a area that they stick to and they kind of migrate through that area, you know, every day, every couple of days and uh, having access to your property from other properties is, is a good way to kind of facilitate them coming through. Um, now you want to have, have uh, bedding areas too, which, which, you know, generally is higher grass areas. I yeah. don't, I don't like that stuff on my property. You know, it attracts insects. It attracts ticks. I live like right and, in, yeah. Uh, yeah, all sorts of stuff. I I live right in, uh, you know, Lyme disease central in this area. You know, so I try and keep the 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 lawns shorter. Um, but uh, you know, teach their own. I guess I don't I don't hunt a lot of white tailed deer. I honestly I. I for my gardens, but I know a lot of the guys listening to the podcast are, are big hunters. So that's kind of why we're doing this, uh, doing this episode. Right. Right. Um, now one of the things that 
<clears throat> that deer deer love is all wildlife love is the forest edges, you know, and uh, a lot of us uh, have these forest edges that are it goes like right from from trees right to grass, you know. Yeah, and and that's not that's not conducive because it it kind of startles animals. You know what I mean? To go right from cover out into the open. And you'll see a lot of big bucks will wait at the edge of the forest yes. uh, until dusk before they before they'll come out. Um, but you can make a more gradual distinction between the two. You know, uh, go from trees to shrubbery, from you know trees to like blackberry bushes, blueberry bushes, raspberries, you know that sort of stuff. Um, and it takes a little bit of work to kind of keep that keep that you know, gradual change, uh, going. So, I mean, it's just something to keep in mind that, you know, might be a little bit more conducive to, uh, to bring in some of the wildlife and under your property. Yeah. One of the things I learned, you know, as a trapper, um, is that nature loves other nature. And that's kind of, you know, what you're getting at is, you know, they want to be around other stuff and cause it makes them feel safe. And also, that's where the food's going to be, right? You like to eat little animals or even bigger animals. Bigger animals like to eat littler animals and little animals eat even smaller animals. And mm-hmm. just throwing up like the wood pile or whatever in the middle of nowhere, you know, they always said it, it, with trapping, if you look out into a field, where is where is the best place to set a trap? And they're like, look for the, the highest point kind of thing. And it's going to be, you know, a stump in the middle of the field, a track, an old tractor laying there, that broken mm-hmm. farm implement. Because when you go out there, that's where the mice are going to be. That's where, you know, and so the animals are going to come over and check out, hey, what can I eat over here? And each thing progressively as animals get bigger are looking for that environment. They're looking for something that's going to stand out. But it's going to attract little things because everything, like you said, is looking for shelter. You know, they're looking for that area. But also, you know, the water source seems to be a great one. Um, I'm kind of torn back and forth on whether I uh, dig a big pond. I end up, um, it it rains quite a bit where I am. And uh, I end up having, like I have a big shooting lane that that's kind of, I dug down kind of into the clay to kind of make a long narrow alley and it ends up pooling up water in there. And it's pretty awesome because I have the nice backstop set up. And when I go out there, that's where the deer, you know, I come out, I see the deer just sitting there in the middle of uh, right. my On shooting, your shooting range. range. Yeah. Like, Hey, you know, this <laughs> right. is where we want to be. Cause I have big puddles of water, but you know, it's like, Hey, mm-hmm. let me come out and get a trick. And what's cool is it's an opening where I have woods on either side. And so the animals mm-hmm. feel kind of safe and protected, you know, because they don't kind of recognize, Hey, I'm in the middle of a big opening here. Cause they see woods all around them. You know, it doesn't. Right kind of connect as much a longer, as, narrow, as a big field right but it's like a little break mm-hmm. in the woods and they stop to get their drink you know mm-hmm. so that's something to consider also but the big food plots just for animals you know they do the turnips and the bigger things and and like you said lagoons and and stuff like that 
and just, you know, running the tractor with a tiller or, you know, breaking up a section and throwing down some seed is so easy to do. Um, a lot easier mm-hmm. when you have a tractor and a tiller, but even so right. digging up a long row and throwing some feed in there. And you can also kind of pick some things that are going to come back year after year. I'm sure the clover is going to, you know, keep coming back, things like that. You can really, you know, mm-hmm. have an environment that costs you almost nothing to maintain. And, you know, it, it can really bring in a lot of wildlife. And, you know, it, the animals come and eating it all is serving a good purpose. You know, um, mm-hmm. I know some states it's not appropriate to uh, feed animals and uh, attract them in like that. We won't talk about yeah, that. There's, but- I mean, there's. Yeah, there's definitely uh, laws about baiting animals. Um, I know a right. lot of people that are hunters that bait animals on their property just because – not to hunt them, but just to just to watch them. And they go to different properties to hunt. And that's – you know, that's definitely – that's fine. You but if just in a bad situation – yeah, but in a bad situation, um, you know, it might not be bad to have animals being comfortable coming through your property on a regular basis. You know, uh, if, if, uh, you can't get to the grocery store, then nobody's going to be getting to your property to, to make sure that you're, you're not, uh, baiting deer and, and things like that. I'm just, uh, just putting that out there. I'm not saying break your, your local laws, but, uh, no. you know, something to keep in mind. And when it comes to like small game, like you were saying, Chuck, there's, there's ways to, uh, to kind of, uh, to kind of facilitate small game. Um, one of the things that I, I, I've made this mistake myself is that when I'm clearing land, I usually just get a big, uh, fire going with all my, all the extra brush that goes through, you know, that's coming out. But, uh, those brush piles, you might want to save, you know, one or two of those. Um, Mm -hmm. now you want to stick to like smaller brush piles and that'll track things like, uh, woodchucks, uh, rabbits, things like that. Um, but you don't want to have... You don't want to like push your brush into a pile with a backhoe or something because it'll pile up a lot of dirt around it. And okay. that sort of brush pile is going to attract foxes, raccoons, um, predators that you don't necessarily want on your property, especially, especially if you're raising chickens or, or ducks or, you know, whatever it is you guys like to have around. Uh, having the coyotes and, and foxes and things around isn't, isn't really great. Um, I personally, I love duck. You know, I love, uh, I love, uh, rabbit. I love those kinds of, uh, smaller animals, you know, that, that might be, uh, on your property. Um, <clears throat> I, I so, think yeah, the so FDA said that rabbits, sorry. I think the FDA said that rabbits are the healthiest, uh, meat that people have in their normal consumption. So, and I know rabbits yeah. aren't really in a lot of people's normal consumption, but just the same, they're really yeah. healthy choice they are really healthy animals now a lot of people uh uh look at look at uh eating woodchuck with like disdain you know but woodchuck is a lot like uh is a lot like rabbit tastes very similar uh they're vegetarians you know the meat's actually really good and a lot of people think of them as like eating rats you know the same sort of shit um but honestly woodchuck is is a good source of meat and uh you know i spend my whole life just just <laughs> running woodchucks off let's just say that yes trying to get rid of the woodchucks in my property 
You know, they just love your garden. They and they always figure out a way to to get in there, man. But uh, I, one I, of the I, things I, that I found in my fences deeper and and building higher mm-hmm. fences and and you know I thought I was yeah. so good and whatever. And then I'm like staking out like and and they're smart. Like I'll, I'll I had to like really hide and set up hides, and I'd have to look in different places. So if I shoot at one and it doesn't work out, that shooting spot is is gone. Because no done. joke, anytime I watch, the the woodchuck will come out and he'll be staring right where I shot from, you know, and he'll keep looking mm-hmm. over there. Where are you? Are you there? Are you there? And then when I come around and get him mm-hmm. from the other side, you know, it works out. But you can't use the right. – and you're thinking they're not that smart. They're that smart. They're always watching. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you jerk, you know. And so that's the thing. Like the first time you shoot at them, you got the big window. You know, they're oblivious to whatever. They don't worry about the humans. But if you take your shot and mm-hmm. miss, it's going to end bad for you because that guy's going to be on guard and be ready from there on out. So, you know, something to be aware of. Just know that, you know, take your shot, make it count because they're a little sharper than you might think. And that or they're just outsmarting mm-hmm. me. Anyway, I uh, did set up where I'm out there like laying in the grass and, and you know, it's tall grass because I let the yard grow a little bit and I'm sneaking up, mm-hmm. crouching on him. That guy, I had a four foot fence. He just climbed up over the side and right over the top. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. A woodchuck? You can't. That's not fair. <laughs> you wouldn't fair. think that. Yeah. Right. But, but you put a couple bullets in him. He didn't, you know, with the twenty-two. He didn't get over the fence so easy that time. Mm, it was same. a little bit more difficult. Yeah. It's a little more difficult. Now, one of the things that I found uh, kind of helps uh, discourage the woodchucks from getting in the garden is is uh, when you build a fence. You know, I I build wire fences. You know, either yeah. you know some sort of a chicken wire type thing with posts. Um, <clears throat> If you build a, if you don't have a top rail on your on your fence, you know, and let yeah, that flexible. that fence just kind of wobble, yeah, they they yeah. don't like that as much. They don't like going over that. If they if there's a log or a board at the top holding the, your fence fence post together, they use that to pull themselves up and over. Right. Um, doesn't stop them, but it definitely discourages them a little bit from getting in there. Um, also, I, I have dogs that love to uh, chew up woodchucks, so that's, you know, that's you, you another You said it's your helpful. small, uh, tiny dog that does the best job, right, with uh, tracking them down? Yeah, and- I've, got a, I've, got a big, uh, I've got a bigger herding dog, an Australian Shepherd, and, uh, you know, he loves chasing the woodchucks, but when he gets up close to them, he doesn't have that killer instinct, you know? He's more of a, a defense dog than a, than a hunting dog. But I've got a little dog that I... I have to admit i really never liked it you know it was kind of one of those yappy dogs the wife wanted and mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. was not happy with it but then uh man when she gets out in the in the woods and catches those woodchucks man she just she just fucks them up man she really does <laughs> she'll go down right in the hole after them and, and pull babies out of there and chew them up she's a little monster <laughs> nice. when it comes to that sort of stuff so she's earning her keep now i i can't i can't say anything no, bad about her no, anymore you can't complain about that Mm-hmm. Now, when you guys are uh, are building like a food plot for for animals, you yeah. know, specifically smaller game animals, um, one of the things to keep in mind is uh, you want to do 
the opposite of what you do with your garden. You want to have kind of like you were saying, higher grass around the food plots because um, it's going to give those animals kind of a, a little bit of cover where they feel comfortable coming out, you know, yeah. and then, you know, they'll kind of watch the food plot, you know, and and look around where they feel safe and then they'll go out and out into the open. Um, and if you can sit there waiting for them in a, in a place where you've got a little bit of cover, you know, they'll uh, they'll walk right it right out in front of your rifle. So, you know, I, I really don't uh, really do a lot of work to keep the uh, the grass from getting tall around my gardens, around my fences. Mm-hmm. It keeps, mm-hmm. you know, bugs out. It keeps rodents out. But when you're setting up a food plot to attract the animals, the know, that's a that's a great way to do it. It's the opposite, right? Right. right. Um, another thing, when you're laying out your food plot, you might want to consider where is going to be my hiding spot. My where where am I going to be able to safely shoot without you know having to worry about what's behind it and think of the angles and and you know how you want to be that you're not shooting back at your house or you're able to be up in a tree where you're shooting down at the animal you know somewhere you can safely shoot and that'll be easy Mm -hmm. for you and easy for you to have concealment and easy for you to you know to be effective as a hunter you know think of your dream hunting situation and lay out your food plot accordingly. Um, if you put mm-hmm. a little thought in beforehand, you can have you know better outcomes time after time, you know in the future. So, like you said, making the animal feel comfortable, but also setting yourself up to have you know the opportunity to really you know move in safely and securely will you know make a big difference. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Uh- you know, another thing to keep in mind when you're clearing your land and, and setting these food plots up is uh, leaving a few mature trees up, especially trees that uh, are going to attract things like squirrels. Um, I know okay. a lot of people don't don't go for a hunting squirrel and don't go for eating squirrel. I think that's a stupid idea to have in your mind that you're not going to eat a squirrel. Um, but a lot of things like uh, like oak, hickory, chestnut trees – those really, you know, those kind of nut trees are really going to keep uh, keep a lot of squirrels coming through. And having a couple of bigger, mature trees out in the open is going to give you a lot of good uh, good views on on things that are coming through, like the squirrels and and uh, some of the larger uh, game birds and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so so uh, nut trees and. And also, you had mentioned earlier fruit trees. Um, mm-hmm. Deer really love fruit trees, like you said, apple trees, peach trees, pear trees, whatever grow yeah. in your area. Well, one you of know, the they things love those though, fruit trees. Deer even they'll eat the wood. I mean, they'll chew on the branches and whatever with the apple mm-hmm. tree, and just right down. I come out and would be, you know, in New York, I had a bunch of apple trees and. Man, they would just eat those things down where I'm like, I don't know if the tree's going to live, you know, so it can be a little right. frustrating. But if you put enough out there and, and you know, you kind of have to buy them a little more mature. Um, what I've found, if you're trying to go the opposite way, where you're keeping the deer out of your apple trees so you can eat apples. That's a, the reason a lot of mm-hmm. people grow apple trees, it turns out. Um, Believe it or not. Yeah. I have planted garlic around the the base of it. And that really Mm -hmm. did a good job 
Um, we tried, they had, uh, somebody had told me, uh, we used to hang bells, hang a bell from the branches. So the deer would go out mm-hmm. and he would like try and snack on the apples and they'd hear the bell ring and that would kind of freak him out a little bit. That actually worked. Um, but we yeah. really had the best. It doesn't success sound like something that would work. That's planting, right. uh, planting garlic, um, around the base mm-hmm. of it. So if you're trying to go the opposite way, because some of you, I imagine, are cursing us right now going, are you kidding me? All I do is try and keep the deer out of my fruit trees. And I get that. And that has its place. Right. Um, we're just, mm-hmm. that's not this episode. But I'm, I'm telling you, planting garlic. So obviously, planting garlic is not what you want to do anywhere near where you're trying to bring right. in wildlife. That's another secret of the pros uh, right there. Right. Right. But, you know, really it comes down to, uh, uh, it comes down to what your property, you know, how your property is set up. You know, if you've got 20 acres, if you've got one acre, um, the types of things that you're going to do, you're going to want to provide, uh, food and resources for these animals to attract them. Um, you know, even setting up things like bird feeders and, and stuff like that is going to attract wildlife. And there's, you know, there's a lot of, uh, birds that are edible you know that aren't tiny little little animals but you know not maybe not turkey size but uh you know there's some some larger birds that you can take if you're really if you're really hungry you know Bald they make bird shot for, whatever, for a reason you know. delicious right <laughs> um <laughs> i was just poking you in the ribs there a little bit i wasn't actually that's not you know yeah but you know, we, to we, uh, when we uh, when we when um, we set up our properties, a lot of the time we uh, think about how to protect our our uh, vegetables and things like that uh, more than we do trying to keep animals out. You know, it's uh, right. if you've if you've got a half acre, you might want to focus on keeping the animals at, off of your property so you can grow vegetables rather than trying to draw them in. Right. Right. Um, but you know, it's up to you. It's up to how you want to uh, do things and how you want to uh, how you want to uh, survive. You know, if you're an avid hunter, maybe setting up your property for wildlife is more important than setting it up for gardening. Well, I think you it know? definitely comes down to, like you just said, uh, how much land you actually have. Um, mm-hmm. You know, affects everything. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, certain areas land is cheap. And it's easy to come by, but it seems less and less in America, right? That's, right. that's you know, we're, we're definitely losing that battle of uh, free land. I think George Soros owns it all now, but, uh, you know, who knows? Yeah, so that sounds good. Now, um, that's all I got for the, uh, for the game, uh, <clears throat> for the uh, drawn game in. Now... Let's talk uh, real quick about about some fencing. Um, All right. There's a lot of ways to uh, to fence in your garden and and fence in your property even. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that I've started to do now is um, is uh, growing uh, just pricker bushes in general. You know, great uh, great pricker bushes are you know things like things like raspberries and blackberries are great yeah. for that. if you set it up around your perimeter. It's gonna kind of has keep people hesitating to, to cut through your yard, you know, in a situation like that. I know a lot of people, a friend of mine was telling me that he had just bought a new house um, mm-hmm. 
out, you know, up in the mountains there and had some property cleared out. And he was having a cup of coffee on his front porch and saw some asshole walking across his field with a shotgun, like hunting in on his property. Yeah. Like, what yeah, the yeah. fuck, dude? You know? Oh, you've been hunting like, here for years. I have permission well. for the owner. Yeah. I hear yeah, that exactly. all the time. And I'm I, like, no, yeah. you don't. I am no. the owner, dickhead. No. Yeah. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. So, I mean, so keeping hunters off of your property, I, I feel like, um, I feel very hesitant to, uh, to tell, tell people that they can't hunt on my land. Um, but when it comes to strangers that I don't know, you know, I don't want you walking through my, my property with a fucking rifle. You know what I mean? Get the fuck out of here. If I know you, I can invite you over and say, you know, if you, if you want to, you know, do some deer hunting, you can come by and use the woods by my house and, and, you know, no problems. But, uh, you know, if I know you, I don't want just random assholes walking through my property, you know, so you're not getting so when it my comes to fencing, right. right. When it comes to fencing, it, you know, you want to be, uh, you want to be able to kind of protect your property from, you know, from people just happen, you know, walking through. And, uh, so you want to have corridors for, uh, wildlife to come through, but you also yes. want to be able to see, you want to be able to see where those corridors are from wherever your living room or your kitchen. When you look out your window, you know, you want to be able yeah. to keep track of what and who is coming through your property. And I think nice. that's, uh, you know, that's something that you can do just by, um, you know, just by setting up your property with, with fences in the right spots, you know? Um, but you know, pricker bushes and things like that, they don't work out well for, uh, fences around your gardens because the stuff that is going to eat your garden is going to be the stuff that walks right through those pricker bushes. And it's down. Yeah. What's that? that, That's what's that story about Br'er rabbit and Br'er fox. Yeah. There you go. So exactly. I mean, animals, yeah. Shrubbery is not going to be what deters animals. Um, what I have seen, like I, I'd mentioned, uh, growing garlic, something like that, that is a deterrent. And again, it, it's going to protect a small area. You know, it depends how much garlic you're willing to plant. Turns out buying it, not as cheap as you might think, um, getting started. But obviously, you know, for every one you plant, mm-hmm. you get like five back, you know, so it it multiplies right. year after year. You can kind of build up your inventory. But that said, um, I had just done we do a a couple of different things for fencing here. And I had just, my wife wanted a huge kind of garden area. I don't know, huge for fenced, I guess is the answer. Um, So what we ended up doing is uh, I think it's like 150 feet kind of square, like 150 feet on each side. And Mm -hmm. what I had done was I bought uh, they call it field fence. Now, if you guys know field fence, it's got big holes. It's like maybe at least five inch by five inch, you know, big squares. So the bunnies are just like walking mm-hmm. through it. They're not even, you know, right. thinking twice. But I was able to buy that at like 48 inches or something like that. It might even been 60 inches, something like that. And mm-hmm. I ran that around the whole perimeter, but then came back and and this is not maybe the best way for everybody but what i did after that was 
I bought Rabbit Fence. Now, Rabbit Fence is you can buy it. I know a tractor supply like 28 inches or 40 inches tall. Um, again, if mm. I was using it standalone, I'd want at least the 40 inches. But what I was able right. to do is buy the 28 inch and then mm-hmm. put it right against the the other field fence. So right. with that, and then I used uh, hog rings. Have you ever used hog rings? No, They're, I don't uh, even know what they that use is. it. Yeah, me either. Till somebody just told me they were like, "Well, why aren't you using hog rings?" And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" So they use it for uh, like upholstery with furniture, and mm-hmm. or, uh, well, I think with furniture, but also with like your car upholstery and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But they sell a pair of pliers and these little metal clips that you just twist and put together. Anyway, worked out great to put. You know, you buy a bag of a thousand clips for like eight dollars or something like that. And I sit out there in the field like an idiot and I'm putting the fences together. But the thing is with the two fences combined, I was able to have something really rigid that you couldn't just lift up and slide underneath. Now, again, you know, some places I know in New York, I had to dig a trench and bury the Mm -hmm. fence like six or eight inches or even 10 inches in order to be effective. Mm -hmm. But where I am now, the, the ground is a lot, you know, tougher so that I found that I was able to just, you know, go right to the ground, but it's so rigid being the two fences combined that animals weren't just picking it up and, and sneaking under. And so far it's been working out good. Now that stopped the rabbits and the, the small animals like that. But then on the flip side, you still have to worry about deer. So I did taller posts right. and I ran, um, electric fence wire around the top so far i haven't even bothered to uh you know set up the electric part i just ran the wire going up eight feet tall Uh like in foot increments to keep the deer from jumping in and that's worked out that was i want to say a cost effective way but i hate to say it that big garden that cost me about 1200 bucks worth of fence yeah i mean it's It's what do you not, think? This, you said 100 foot, 150 feet 150 by 150. By 150 feet or so. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good size plot. That's a big plot. And most people, honestly, they grow enough excess when they're doing that large of an area that they're kind of like, well, I'll let some wildlife come in and take what they take, but they're not going to take it all. Right. You know, you see the big cornfields right. on the side of the road and they're not. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no fence. You're like, well, how do they keep right. the deer? And there's always or, deer out there. Yeah. They they yeah. don't. The deer are coming through and, and getting what they want. But, you know, and they uh, take what they when want. you have that sort of size. It depends. Yeah. You know, the crop that we had is, you know, valuable enough that you didn't want to lose it to the animals that it's worth having the fence. So that's, you know, mm-hmm. you weigh out what you're doing. Um, honestly, that garden in my case, uh, my wife has a bit of a flower farm going and flowers aren't as cheap as you might think. And some of them are, you know, annuals or whatever. And, you know, you're stuck where you gotta, you know, you gotta really get the most out of it. You can't lose it to, uh, you know, to, uh, animals. So, but again, mm-hmm. it depends what you're trying to do. If, if money, again, it's all money and time, you know, you, you outweigh what you have right. and available to you and you do things accordingly. Um, but definitely think about what you're doing. Think about what's effective. You know, 
I was into barbed wire would have been a great option for the top. But my wife's like, oh, you're out at work and I'm not dealing with animals getting stuck in the barbed wire. And I have to go out and, you know, fight it off kind of thing, you know, cut it out, whatever, you know, is involved in that instance. And I've had friends who have horses and goats and they're like, never use barbed wire because, you know, pulling an animal out of there is never anything you want to do. Again, it. Mm -hmm. You decide what's right for you. Just know there's options out there, you know, for you to, yeah. you know, find the best way to do it. Yeah. Now, this might be common sense. You made a good point earlier. Um, but when it comes to uh, trying to be cost effective, obviously the least, the biggest uh, plot with the least amount of fence is going to be a square. You know, the yeah. the longer and longer you make a rectangle, the, the more fence you're going to have to use for a smaller amount of land, you right. know. So if you're trying to be cost effective, you know, a square is the best way to go. Um, yeah, I, you know, as like far mine as ended fencing up, versus that one ended up, square footage. Right. That one ended up being more like a trapezoid. And what it was was the tree line ended up dictating, you know, how I had to shape it. Um Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, you, you do, but like you said, spending money, you want to get the most bang for your buck and a square seems to be, you know, the way to do it, but you know, you do what you gotta. And also, I mean, I know in my case with that one, it was, how can I get the tractor in and maneuver and be able to get close to the edges and get in with the tiller and different things where I can still move, but I'm not losing square foot of garden area, you know? So that's mm-hmm. all something to consider and, and weigh out. But that's that's basically yeah. what I got. So I'm starting to uh, finally get some uh, some good uh, produce coming in every day now. Yeah, um, I like that. Past, past my time for asparagus, but I'm, I'm on to the uh, tomatoes are, are just starting to – to ripen up all the oh, uh, you're killing me, dude. We're uh, just coming to the we're coming to the end of our tomato season. I was at the farmers market. Oh, really? Yesterday. I've only had three. I've, and the wife's I've got like, a, you know, uh, <laughs> I've got all bushes like, and yeah, bushes full of green tomatoes. Yeah, they're like, oh, uh-huh. we ran to the end of tomatoes. Nobody's got tomatoes anymore. And I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, now we're on uh, watermelons and uh, watermelons, peppers, and. Uh, Oh, it's about an okra is actually the big uh, the big thing here, and tobacco. I haven't is just grown about okra. Coming, I, you know, I, uh, I I tried to grow okra this year, but it just didn't it didn't work out. I don't know if so, I bought you know crap seed or if I did something else wrong, but it never even started coming up this year. Not being a southerner and and knowing how things work, um, we ended up with a bunch of like eight or nine inch long okra that are like hard as rocks that you can't even cut with a knife. (laughs) And you're like, what the heck? So I'm talking to the ladies at the farmer's market yesterday and they're like, yeah, okra is a everyday thing. You have to be out there picking it every single day. And as soon as they're, you know, two inches Uh long or whatever, you pick them and you get them inside. And the one lady's like, I like to go to about three or four inches, but nobody's like, I like to go to eight inches and whatever. Cause yeah, it just turns into a rock. It's like like a squash or whatever where you just have like a, you know, mm-hmm. hard impossible. You know, you're out there with the cleaver trying to get through it. <laughs> I don't know. Right. It, it's not good. But 
I don't know. Teach his own, right? Live and learn. That's yeah. what they say. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's the second year plant. I've grown corn. Oh egg yeah, plant. you know I I yeah I grew a lot. I've got a lot of eggplant this year, and I, there's one vegetable I hate, man. It's eggplant. it's eggplant. I can't stand it. My wife wanted it. She loves it, but I mean, I'm never gonna eat that shit, and it just keeps coming in. You know, like that, and then people are I've like, oh, it's not horrible eggplant. if you fry it. And I'm like, yeah, nothing yeah. is horrible if you fry it, right? I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. That's if you so deep fry dog shit, you can you can eat it. <laughs> you can you eat know? it. Like, like anything, well. you deep fry. You fry it, yeah. Especially you fry it in animal I fat. I, I like Come my on. raw vegetables and yeah, yeah. If, that ain't I it. love raw right. vegetables, and if you, yeah, eggplant is not the one to eat raw. Yeah, but no, um, if any of you guys have some uh, some recipes for eggplant that can make it palatable, uh, let me know. Um, but yeah, I I haven't been able to enjoy it. I eat it. Don't get me wrong. I eat just about anything, but I don't like it. That's it. But so, <clears throat> all right, that's what I got. So you guys know you have ideas. You have eggplant recipes. Whatever you want to share with us, you can email us at preppingbadass at gmail dot com. Now we don't always respond right away. Sometimes also I'll read them and be like, oh, that's a Kevin email, and. uh you know, I, I kind of let it sit, and Kevin's like a once-a-week checker kind of guy, and they take a little bit mm-hmm. to, you know, get responded to and whatever. But we definitely respond to everybody, and, and we're into, uh, you know, hearing what you guys have to say. We definitely uh, appreciate it. Um, you also want to get in touch with us maybe a little sooner. Um, you could try joining the uh, Prepping Badass Facebook group, or uh, you could also – we have a Facebook page – that's uh, like survival prepping, I think it is. I don't even know. No, it's prepping badass. And uh, mm-hmm. anyway, you can also email us at preppingbadass at gmail.com, I was saying. And I think that's it. So the uh, with that, stay safe. Well, no, you could also uh, Patreon. I'm forgetting everything here. Oh, you right. enjoying yeah. the show? You might want to uh, support us on Patreon at patreoncom badass Where if you donate as little as one dollar a month, you can get a badass patch that uh, mm-hmm. I don't know that looks like something. I don't know. It's got a cool logo. Whatever. Um, anyway, with that, stay safe, and we'll talk to you guys next week. All right. So, what else you got? You. Oh well, yeah. Uh, uh, tell me go. about your uh, your truck here. You got your new your new truck. Uh, what it? What kind is it? Oh, we got the uh, 2011 Ram 1500. Big 35 oh, nice. inch tires. Because I don't know why you wouldn't want that. I actually just had uh-huh. to get a uh, a um. A speedometer calibrator to uh you know oh. set things up to make a match up because otherwise i'm going like you know it says 55 and i think i'm going 62 or something like that and oh it's not quite accurate huh yeah you don't yeah. want to get in trouble for that yeah and i was told you can uh, go um, to the dealer and they're like oh that's not a factory size tire screw you we can't do it but there's there's oh. special things you can order to make it happen. So ways you can do it. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. No, yeah. I'm embracing no, the, uh, nice and- the redneck life there is what, what I'm saying. Yeah. How's that Dodge doing? Are you still you still have that Dodge pickup? So the Dodge, the uh, the rear end uh, gave out. That was thing. So that's what pushed me into buying a new truck. And by new, I mean 2011 because that's about mm-hmm. as close as I'll ever get to a uh, $50,000 truck, right? Um, anyway, so uh, I just bought a uh, equipment trailer. You guys know I have a uh, a um, a tractor, like a Kubota or something, bucket, whatever, tiller and bush hog and that kind of crap. So I was like, man, it'd be cool if I could go make some money. So it'd be cool if I had a trailer and whatever could go in uh, – you know, go hustle with it, I guess. So I think I'm all cool. I take my crappy, rusty old 96 Dodge that's so full of New York rust, it's unbelievable. The leaf springs had been pushing up through the back bed and I had to put new shackles yeah. in the back to hold it all. It's a disaster, right? And I'm like, all right, yeah. I can go get this trailer. I get this cool equipment trailer, like 20 foot, you know, I'm the man. And I'm driving it home and the freaking rear end just gives out and I'm stuck on the side of the road. And I'm with like, that's it. Yeah. With the trailer. So the upside is mm-hmm. I was able to load the truck onto the trailer that I was pulling. And I called up one of my buddies that uh, had a dually and was like, Oh, and he's like, I'll go home and get my trailer. I'm like, I don't need it. All I need is you to just uh, bring your trailer hitch and, and your pickup and tow me home. And the mm. truck's been a fight where I'm doing repairs on it all the time. But I finally decided I was like, you know, it hadn't left me on the side of the road. You know, that's the that's right. the kind of end. I don't like when I'm standing there and it's 98 degrees outside and I'm standing there for hours waiting for somebody to save me. That's mm. like too far, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, I can't handle things like that. I'm just saying I don't want to put myself in a position like that. You know, as a prepper, I'm like, no, right. no that ain't that ain't going to work yeah. for me. So I finally broke down and, you know, went and bought a reasonably new truck and, you know, kind of moved myself into the right direction. And, of course, it's a little bigger and a little cooler than, you know, nice aftermarket exhaust mm-hmm. sounds good, you know, whatever. Nice, a little redneck. Nice. You know, I want to get the uh, – Randy Marsh for president. Uh, I thought this was America sticker on the back of it or something. And you right. know, let people know. I'm a you're, not gonna, you're not going to be flying the Trump flag and the American flag off either side of the truck. But you know, I mean, that's an option, right? I'm, I'm in the South. They still fly <laughs> rebel flags down here. Even it, it's bad. Oh, Okay. All right. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to quite get associated with that. It comes with mm-hmm. too much negative connotation, you know. You, you end right, up by, right. and and I figured the Trump flag is is just as bad. I you know, I don't know, man. It's bad here. I I have people who uh, I I had a I'd looked at a house here, and one of the neighbors is like flying like the KKK flag in the front lawn, and I'm like, that's even a thing. Like I didn't right. even. In your front I, lawn? I in there, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, you know, embrace it, I guess. And, and it was funny, my, uh, my realtor's nice black lady and whatever. And we just switched it around because they sent somebody over. Oh, oh, this house isn't for sale. You can't buy this house. 
and and we were just playing it up like she was the one gonna buy it you know by realtor and uh she's like no i'm moving in and we had a good time with it you know you gotta keep people Mm -hmm. guessing right that's right that's right I was like, yeah, I can't live next to those people. But it ended up, it was a little too far from where I was working and, you know, whatever. I was like, I can't do it. But it did have a, like a two-acre pond. And she's like, I got a ton of black friends that would come over and fish in your pond every day. We could really keep your neighbors mm-hmm. guessing. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that would yeah, happen. I was like, all day. You know, I was like, I would have a barbecue every day. Y'all be coming uh, over and it'd be good. I'm like, cause you know, if I can't piss off somebody, you know, why even live? Right. That's, right. You know. Exactly. Exactly. I live for pissing off my neighbors, you know? So I had, uh, yeah, I had somebody, uh, call the cops on me, uh, a couple years ago. Cause, uh, I was setting off, uh, well, I wasn't, my friend was setting off dynamite in the backyard just for fun. And, Who hasn't uh, seen that? Apparently people. Yeah, apparently people get upset when you're blowing shit up in your backyard. So, I don't know. They yeah, the cops showed up, but by the time they got here, all everything would had been blown up and it yeah, was you all just got to be like, I heard so, that too. What? Yeah, I don't know it? what that was. I think somebody was setting off fireworks. You know, oh I don't know. I don't Lord. know. Why are all these explosions what? and burn marks in your yard? I don't know. That's weird, right? I don't. Yeah, so strange. Yeah. No, yeah, but here I, uh, we have here we yeah, have like Tannerite and all that. Everybody's blowing up things all the time. You know, we're shaking the windows. And, right. But yeah, yeah. So I've been working on now. I've got a little stream on my back uh, property, and I've been working right. on you know just kind of damming it, damming it up a little bit, make a just yeah. a little pond. Um. You know, and it's coming along because I've got I've got ducks, so I've got you know I've got you know pools and little things like that for them. But I like to have a, you know, somewhat natural environment right. for them. That's a little bit more conducive. Um, I don't think it's going to be big enough that I'm going to be able to stock it with fish, but my neighbor just built a pond and uh, he's really got it set up nice. He had uh, his friend come over with a backhoe and just dug a giant hole, put a $200 liner in there. And yeah. uh, his kid went and stole a, <laughs> his kid went and stole a koi fish from somebody's pond. So now he's got a big, like three foot koi fish. I've never seen one this big, just swimming around in his, uh, oh. his pond out there. Those things are, I guess they're big money, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're not yeah. cheap. Yeah. They're not cheap, Um, but I don't know why you'd want, I guess you can eat koi, but I don't know why you would want, want to eat something I, that's that. I valuable, think people you know? who cook food like you and I might don't go for koi fish, mm-hmm. But I, I think there's like yeah. some kind of sushi end of it that people go like oh, that yeah. way. It's like the sushi. Uh, yeah, that's where that all works mm-hmm. out. And that's where the price kind of gets up there. But uh, yeah, I we had looked at like aquaponics and stuff. We had talked about it for the podcast in the past and mm-hmm. whatever. I Everybody sells here. It's very common. Like Facebook's filled with those big uh, plastic water containers. You know, the big white ones with the cage mm-hmm. on it. I don't know. They're like yep. everywhere around me and uh, setting up aquaponic systems with those. The idea keeps coming up in my head, but I just, it's another project. You know, it's like more money laid out. It's like, all right, I can do another $600 project and yeah, it's going to be another 
three days of work, you know, to get that right. set up and kind of going. And it just, it, it's one more You know, more with those thing, aquaponics, you know? the more I look at it, those aquaponics, that has to be your whole life. You know what I mean? It seems Cause, like Because you, you miss one day working on it, fucking with it. A pump goes out or something. That's it. Everything's dead. You know, all the like fish rabbits, are dead. You know, all it's, the plants it's another, are dead. Yeah. You just it's have another to thing constantly that it's doing like, it. You know, it's like, yeah. what, what projects can own me, you know? And, and that's, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah, I like even, to play with even guns just trying and to keep up with trucks, a vegetable so. garden. Right. Yeah. Right. I want to play yeah. with guns and, and pickup trucks. And even keeping trucks, up with anything. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly. That's something, you know, what do they say? Uh, make money no doing what you know and pay people to do what they, you know, what they know how to do. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I try and be somewhat of a renaissance man in the sense that I could, you know, ha- have a little bit of knowledge on everything. But, right. you know, it's. It's a little bit those those aquaponic setups. I I just uh, you know I love the idea of them. It just seems that like it's a you know that owns your life. You know those things, and it's a uh, it's a lot of work to keep it keep it working right. Yeah, that's it. I don't know. I go out and do my uh, electrician thing and make my money, and then yeah, pay the grocery store instead of the off grid uh, exactly. You know life, but yeah, you do what you can do. Mm-hmm. That's right. Know. That's right. Got to keep the lights All right. on. All right. I guess we'll go out and do some work, get life going here, but I yep. don't know. All right. All right. Yeah. I got to get out and feed all the animals. So I'll, I'll talk to you later on, bud. All right. Later. The survival and basic badass podcast is a proud member of the self-defense radio network. Mm-hmm.